Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to the call. 10 stocks picked by you two experts. One hour. It's Thursday, the 24th of November. I'm Andrew Gagan. Good to have you with us. And I've led you astray already. I've been talking stocks. In fact, today, a special show we're going to be doing ETFs. And to talk us through that, our two experts, James Whelan from VFS Group and Andrew Wyland from DP Wealth Management. Welcome to both of you. And it is a special show because we are uh, concentrating on ETFs. In fact, um, the first five we're going to take a look at are uh, the uh, International Van Eck, MSCI International Quality Hedged, um, the uh, Aussie iShares Core, uh, the Property Vanguard uh, Australian, oh, they're all mixed up in fact, uh, let me uh, take a look at that. The Vanguard Australian <laughs> Property Securities ETF, that's VAP, the Infrastructure Van Eck, uh, FTSE Global Infrastructure, there it is down there, you can read better than I can We're read, it. We're doing and this, the yeah. Active X Bonds, alright, that's the first five. So, um, James... Why would you need an ETF in your investment portfolio? What's the advantage of an ETF? The, the advantage is just a complete ease of, of having to actually pick up. Sorry, there's a, a simple way of going about it is you can either own 100 stocks, which is a real pain, or you can just own one ETF that then sort mm. of does the work for you. So you don't have to focus on, on, on knowing every single intricacy about it. You can take a theme or take a direction or just have that core holding into an index or anything like that without having to own everything else underneath it. First and foremost, that's the easiest way of going about it. And therefore costs come down. And if costs come down, then, uh, then you're probably gonna do better. But it's, it's in the case of an investor, usually it's easier to rest your money with an ETF, even if you wanna be index or thematic. Um, and then you can actually keep on doing your job, uh, which is probably something different. If you wanna be focused and do individual stocks and you yeah. go ahead and do that, but you gotta be focused. You can't, just, you can't just do it one day and then decide you're gonna take a week off. And Andrew, you often talk about core and satellite ETFs in your portfolio. Talk us through what you mean by that. Andrew and James, uh, yeah, basically, uh, and we've got a good eclectic mix of those in here today. Uh, IOZ, which is as an example, one that you mentioned, I would consider that to be a core, just tracking the top 200 companies in Australia. But some of the other ones that we'll talk about a little bit later today are thematic or satellites. You might have a particular view on lithium or you might have a particular view on copper miners. Instead of going out and buying the top 20 or 30 copper miners in the world, why wouldn't you just buy an ETF that does that heavy lifting for you? And as James says, at a much lower cost, they also do the rebalancing part and sometimes they manage the currency risk as well. So the whole idea of core and satellite is that you can uh, sort of have, depending on your attitude to risk, you can have, say, as an example, 70% of your portfolio in core and then 30% in thematics, things that you think that will outperform and get a, more, a blended, a better return over time. Now, of course, these do not come without costs in fees. Andrew, how important is it to look at the, the fees of these individual ETFs. 
Yeah, you certainly need to be considering what you're paying for and, you know, when we're running through these today's, the, the various fees may may get a mention. But again, you've got to also realise what you're getting. So again, we'll keep on picking on IOZ and I don't want to take too much away from that. But their management fee is really low and yet they're buying um, BlackRock as it would be or iShares are buying the top 200 companies, making sure that it stays aligned to the index. Uh, so as a consequence, the, the low fee, watch this space, we'll tell you what it is in a moment, uh, is actually probably worth it. Whereas there are a couple of other uh, more active ETFs that we won't, are not mentioning today. Some of their fees are 1.35% as an example. And you've got to say, well, am I getting value for that 1.35% as an example? So mm -hmm. got to look at what's on the tin. We, uh, yeah, exactly. And we, we did make a note too with just some of the ETFs that are in here. Almost all of them, the fees are actually quite low. I didn't make a note of exactly what they are, so don't ask me what they are. But every single one that I went through and we, and we, and we checked, they're, they're all reasonably low. Yeah. Like in that I could put this in front of a client and say you're not getting robbed here. All right, because you are paying someone else to do the work for you. Correct. Correct. All right. People should be remunerated for work. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, so rather than stock of the day, we've got our ETF of the day. In fact, our two experts have come up with their picks. Uh, we've got the uh, fuel one, F-U-E-L, and also the miners, which actually is concentrating on the gold miners. Let's start with, Andrew, your pick. Uh, of course, uh, this is in the, the energy space, F-U-E-L. We've got uh, Russia's invasion of Ukraine. That's obviously driven oil and gas prices higher we're seeing how that's fitting into inflation generally what are you seeing with this one yeah i like this one and we've been on on this one for a little while not as uh, not as long as james was on on food as an example but <laughs> certainly we've been on this one for uh, a little while um and we like the fact that it gives you exposure to energy companies but offshore so it's your exxons it's your chevrons it's your shells your conoco phillips your totals and as we know from an ESG perspective, and that's certainly something that we need to be thinking about, probably not the most ESG friendly ETF, lots of acronyms already this morning, but uh, as a consequence, all these companies are sort of have a bit of a handbrake on them relating to going out and new capital expenditure, new um, exploration. And so therefore are just putting off huge amounts of profits huge dividends, etc. So we, we quite like this one. I think it's up about 17% for the last uh, month or so. Um, but it doesn't come without risks. And what I mean by that is if the Chinese lockdowns relating to COVID go longer than what people are expecting, there's lots of to and froing with the Saudis relating to oil production, um, obviously concerns as to what price the Russians will be able to sell their oil for economic activity is the fed going to push us into recession in 2023 so it's certainly not without risk but the flip side is we've got a northern european winter coming on it's been pretty mild so far wouldn't sort of bet on that staying to being the case perhaps we will have a soft landing and so that demand for energy will remain strong so certainly one that we continue to have have held in our portfolios for a while and will continue to hold as well all right james what's your view on that one uh, my view on that one is, funnily enough, I think I sold it about a week and a half ago. Okay. Amazing. <laughs> so uh, right. we had held it and, and, and a nice little profit. But again, uh, echoing what Andrew said, it, it, was, it was sort of done. I saw that oil prices themselves were going to come off. I'm happy to own energy through a different way. So we're talking, yeah. I've, I've, got to, I've got to look at a whole portfolio and, and being specific to this theme. Uh, it, wasn't, uh, it was a little bit overweight on the energy side. Andrew did mention a milder winter in Europe. Uh, correct on the expectations for that. Uh, it, I believe it's the European... They're the, they're the bushfire or the forest fire commission or something like that. They were predicting that 
the winter is going to be, I think, about one or two degrees warmer than the long-term average in Europe. So it's going to go okay, which means that energy use will be a little bit down. I see that oil prices are probably going to come down. So therefore, I mm. believe that those energy producers, I was happy to not be overweight that. So yeah. happy to get rid of it. Funnily enough, guess what I bought in place of that? Gold miners. Yeah. <laughs> Just before you get to that, that okay. is your pick. Andrew did reference there, you often come onto the show and talk about your food ETF. Yes which is the, well, the BetaShares Global Ag Companies, uh, which is hedged. You're not, you're not into that now? No, no, still still. It actually that. has come off though, hasn't it? Yeah, it, it, it dipped down, it dipped down, well, it dipped down the same as everything else dipped down. Yeah. I was happy to, I, I, I've been taking profits on that, just slicing little bits off all the way through the rally, which I was happy to do. So then when it came off, okay, let's maybe look at allocating a little bit more. Yep, some clients were pretty cool with that, and I was pretty cool to do that as well. Um, and, and it seemed appropriate as well to think that no matter what's going on long term, mm. you should own or have some exposure to the food industry and to the production of food. We are still heading into a food crisis. We are still heading into a global food shortage. There's no way around that. Okay, to today's pick, uh, it is the, uh, the miners MNRS from BetaShares um, diversified portfolio of uh, the world's leading gold miners, yeah. in fact. And James, you only have to look at the gold price. I guess, I mean, uh, do you get the sense then that the tide has turned for gold? I, I do. However, it's really difficult to value gold. People, uh, I can't value gold the same way that I can value anything else. People mm. ask me to value gold, and I have to say, honestly, it's unicorn farts and goodwill, if you, can <laughs> if you sort of understand where I'm going on with, with gold on that one. So, but the gold miners underlying them, you can actually put some sort of evaluation on them. They are low debt, uh, lots of cash in there as a ratio to the actual market, um, looking fantastic on a valuation area as well. And I'm really happy to, sort of to, to, to own them. It's ex-Australia. So, so you're not willing to pick the individual gold miners? Because some are very efficient, some are not. And you look at particularly where costs are going at the moment. I am, I am, in some areas, I'm good at picking individual stocks. In mm. other areas, I'm not. And I'm happy to put my hand up and say, you know what, play to your strengths and play to your weaknesses. Gold miners, if the thematic is on, I'd just like to own that ETF and not go through and pick it out. I'll tell you why. I think I got burnt back in when I was a young junior, junior, junior assistant to the junior trainee right. um, at, at my first broking firm in, in 2005, that would have been. Yeah. And Newcrest, of all companies, found a way to, to, to screw up digging gold out of the ground and, and, and putting it in front of people, or putting it into wherever they've got to put it. This nonsense that we do with gold. Mm. But, but individual companies just have a habit of stuffing it up. I'd just rather own the ETF and just okay. own it that way. Fair enough. Yeah. All right, Andrew, just quickly your view on uh, the miners' ETF. Uh, look, it's it's a good ETF. I'm, I'm probably more mindful of gold itself. I mean, you think about everything that got thrown at us over the last 12 months. Of course, I live in Toowoomba on the top of the Great Dividing Range. And just looking to the east here, I'm sort of waiting for the four horsemen of the apocalypse to be coming. <laughs> and yet um, gold didn't do anything. Um, so... You know, that sort of has tempered my view of gold a little bit. So if you're into gold from a valuation point of view, this is definitely the one to be in. Um, but if we had to choose between food and this one, uh, I'd choose food every day of the week. You can't so eat gold. I'm out on this one, but not not doing this one. But uh, I do like food. And again, hats off to James. You were calling that from about three bucks, weren't you, mate? That I was, was, I was uh, calling that, yeah, call. when uh, at the absolute lows of the uh, of the COVID pandemic when everything was going on. Yeah. There have been early conversations that I had with this man right uh, now. Right yeah, well, that's no, that. I give it to yeah. you. You have been committed to that uh, absolutely from day one. That's all right. Let's not mention the stuff that I got wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Moving on. Uh, indeed, <laughs> moving on to our uh, ones picked uh, by you. In fact, uh, let's um, get into the first stock. 
It is the uh, Van Eck MSCI International Quality Hedged. And uh, it what, uh, gives us exposure to a diversified portfolio of international companies, yep. uh, developed markets, yep. ex-Australia, I should add, yep. which return earns, uh, retur- returns hedged in Aussie dollars. Uh, some of the top holdings there, Apple, Microsoft, Johnson & Johnson, Visa, MasterCard, uh, NVIDIA. Yep. Andrew, your view? So, as you know, um, my one of my favourite sayings is uh, "Qual the one ETF to rule them all." So this is, in fact, its cousin, its sister. Uh, it's the hedged version. Qual has got about three billion dollars funds under management. Uh, this particular one's got about five hundred and twenty-eight million. And I guess, from my point of view, we've certainly the last probably two, three weeks we've really started. We were unhedged in a number of areas and that certainly has worked out pretty well and I'll explain why in a moment. But we're certainly with the expectations that interest rates are probably close to peaking, famous last words, then in fact, uh, you know, you probably want to start looking at hedging your exposure again to that sort of Aussie dollar. So that's why this one fits. Quality is a factor. Andrew, you and I on the drop many times have spoken about factors and quality is probably my favourite factor because you're looking for companies with low levels of debt, consistent revenue and strong return on equity. And generally speaking, um, companies that have sort of those three attributes uh, tend to outperform to the point whereby if you look at the returns of qual versus the broader index, it's added around 2% per annum alpha or additional return to the index because you're buying, as, as it would suggest, you're buying quality companies. The hedging piece, if you look at Qual, Qual's down 22%, sorry, um, QHL rather, this particular ETF is down 22% for the year, whereas Qual is only down 10% for the year. And that's because that sort of lack of um, hedging for Qual has really helped it. But, you know, the other way, if the dollar starts moving against us, so that's certainly why we're looking at the hedge version. But Mm. you need to have quality in your portfolio. This is a must-have. Okay. All right. So, James, yeah, when you're weighing up Qual versus... The hedge versus an H, the hedge version. How do you compare them? Uh, Right now, it's really about where you think. If if you're happy to buy US dollars at the moment versus the Aussie, then you'd buy the the unhedged version. Mm. Uh, At a basis, yes, I do think that owning quality and putting quality in portfolios is super important, and more than ever. I was banging about quality. With rising rates, owning quality is absolutely a necessity. However, with regards to the currency, I think that potentially the US dollar has, has topped now, I'm not an FX predictor, and I'm awful at that as well. However, I think that you'd be pretty ambitious to go in and charge into the US dollar at these at these numbers and these levels, especially if you think that potentially China is going to be waking up at some stage. Um, you know, copper prices going up, iron ore prices going up, mm. all those things that, that that rally the Australian dollar, um, being a commodities index, uh, a commodities currency, and a bit of a risk on currency as well. Um, <laughs> You know, I, I, I wouldn't be buying US dollars at this particular time. Uh, I'm happy to do it at a different level. So yes, hedge your quality exposure. But the companies in there yeah. are ones that you absolutely want to own. That's right. And Andrew didn't touch on exactly the specification of what um, you did touch on it. Not to the not to the detail that people really, I think, need to be sure of exactly how the Vanek guys do qualify exactly what goes into the ETF. A high return on equity, stable year-on-year earnings growth, and a low leverage. Now. I think that there's a lot of companies that are out there and we're seeing now, especially at the smaller end, I'm going to mention this with when we talk about, if we talk about NASDAQ and tech later on, I'll mention this, but there's a lot mm. of companies out there that still are going to get found out by interest rates remaining high through 2023. They're not going to come back down to zero. That's not going to happen. Interest rates will remain high. So a lot of companies with that 
high leverage are going to get found out and you don't want to be holding them. Quality is the way to go with regards to that. Are you holding that at the moment or are you buying into it? Uh, I'm just trying to think. We've held it. I think mm. we still hold it in, in a certain portion. Certain clients yep. do have it as a core, as a core, uh, as a core holding that they have. Yes. All right. Okay. And Andrew, just on, on that point, then um, would you be buying into it further at this point? It's a core holding, Andrew. Yep. So yep. yes. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Okay. It's, it's one of the cores. Yep. All right. Well, speaking of which, to our next one, the iShares Core S and P ASX 200 ETF, as the name suggests, their exposure to the largest 200 um, Australian shares by market. Cap, James. Yep, happy to own Australia. Buy Australia, I know it sounds like a cliche that we've gone on about. I did mention that China's waking up. So effectively, the, now, okay, here's the difference. And this is why I wanted to talk about this one as opposed to the equal weighted ETF. I think that the outperformance that you're going to see from the index weighted, uh, which is then basically it's a majority of BHP and the banks, you're going to get that big stack up compared to an equal weighted uh, ETF in the uh, ASX 200 is probably not going to perform because you don't have that overweight exposure to BHP or the banks that we're going to see as well. NIMS are up, banks are doing well, housing is not going to completely fall over regardless of what everyone says. The RBA is pretty friendly to us as well. The Chinese are waking up. Copper prices will, I do believe, continue to rise. We'll go into that potentially later. Iron ore will rise as well. It's great for BHP. So if you can go BHP and the banks, then it's probably good to be overweight that, which is why you want to be an index weighted ETF. I'm happy with this, it's super cheap. Aussie trades on, I had to double check this, it, and Andrew, just confirm this for me, please. Is it Aussie, that, that it's trading on almost a, a 13 times price to earnings ratio next year? Is it? Does that sound about right to you? Yeah. I, had to, I had to double yep. check my screens. Yep. Cheap? Right. Cheap? Is it cheap? Is it cheap? Cheap. Cheap, good. Cheap, cheap. Cheap. <laughs> All right, bye-bye. Cheap enough. Bye. Cheap enough. Uh, Andrew then, you in agreeance? Yeah, look, I, certainly there's a, a cohort of these. Um, I from um, from BlackRock, iShares is a goodie. It's about 3.6 billion funds under management. Uh, the cost is around nine basis points. You can get it a bit cheaper. And James, sorry, I should have mentioned before, James was spot on. All the ones we're looking at today are, are fairly priced, if we're talking price, and certainly this is the cheapest. Uh, you can get it a little bit cheaper. We also use STW from State Street touch more expensive, but for what you're getting, um, this really is another core holding in your portfolio. And to James's point around equal weight, again, equal weight you'd probably, in our view, you sort of have as a bit of a barbell. So at one end, you've got the index, that's something like IOZ. At the other end, you might have something like MVW. MVW uh, again, is probably adds about 1% per annum. Yeah, uh, or the US version from BetaShares, QUS, that's a goodie too. But uh, as a core holding in our in our world, it's about fourteen percent of the portfolio. IOZ can't go wrong. All right, general advice. So just to <laughs> clarify, yeah, just to clarify, then you're saying all the ones we're talking about today are fairly priced. Do we assume then they are all buys before we sort of get into that? And I ask you for every ETF. No. Okay. Good. No. We'll get to each one then on their merits. Okay. So the third one we're going to take a look at in property, Vanguard Australian Property Securities Index ETF, uh, VAP exposure to Australian listed property companies and real estate investment trusts, the REITs. Andrew. So again, we've, we've really got an eclectic mix of ETFs today. Um, and, you know, my view is that we try and try and, we try and cover as many different asset classes as possible and which ones are available. So in the context of the REITs, 
and REITs or listed property trusts, for those who have been around the block a couple of times, the LPTs, have just had the rounds of the kitchens down around 21% for the year because of rising interest rates. And that's um, from a valuation point of view, rising interest rates and REITs and in fact property in general don't play very nicely together. But from an opportunity point of view, if again we're of the view that interest rates are topping out or at least stabilising, then potentially this might be one that you might want to think about. It holds the top 30 odd uh, REITs across the country, uh, retail, commercial, uh, industrial diversified. It's got things like Goodman, it's got Centre, it's got Stockland, it's got Dexas. So all those names which have just been beaten up, instead of you trying to work out, well, should I buy Stockland or should I buy Goodman or whatever the case may be, this is a particular ETF that will give you exposure um, to that property space, that listed property space. And again, in a diversified portfolio, you probably want to have some property in there. But even if you're not, you, you know, you want to be more concentrated, you want to have a bit of a punt, then something that's come off 21%. You know, I'm a big believer in mean reversion. If there is that driver that's going to start turning it around, like interest rates stabilising and even potentially starting to come off towards the end of next year, then certainly something like VAP might fit right into that um, mindset. So not a buy as yet? I don't think the... It, again, it depends on whether we're having a core versus um, sort of tactical view. If we're having a core view, you just buy it because it's core and it's part of an overall portfolio. Mm. If you're, though, trying to be a bit more um, tactical, you'd probably want to see either interest rates coming off or the market's expectations that interest rates have come off, uh, wait for it to turn and then start buying it. So yeah, okay, it's a hold, basically. Yep. All right. So, James, yeah, I mean, well, we're going to see those interest rates continue to rise still from here, you would Very think. A little bit. Yep. Locally, we're okay. talking, yeah. Okay. Tiny little bit. Yeah. Uh, property values still to fall. Property values still to fall as people still continue to feel the bite. Yeah. I think also that the return to work, I, I honestly, the, the, I was sort of looking at this thinking, have we really felt the full factor of, of people being behind on mortgages and people actually not renewing. The, the, the big one for me also with the commercial space is, and I, and I was mentioning this all through COVID and saying that if you're a general manager and you're looking out over your, over your head count and you're looking at your workplace and you're thinking, I've got 100 seats on this level and I need to renew my lease and there's no way that I'm going to renew 100 because I've only ever got 30 seats that are full. Mm. And that's going to be the way that work is done ongoing. This is why I was sort of, you know, I want to be bullish property and some people, yep, own it, put it in your portfolio, it's a core holding, own it forever, you get the benefits of owning property and no hassling. But I still don't think that we've felt the full impact, especially with commercial, on exactly what, what the future of work looks like. Mm. And I think that maybe companies like, like Dexas and like Centro and those ones, uh, uh, maybe we just haven't felt it yet. I'm sort of hesitant to, to, to recommend this and I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a hold to maybe don't own it in the, uh, in the, in the going year. But yeah, interest rates are going to come off next year and I think there'll be another chance to snatch it up and have something on the long term once we actually know where we find, where, where the dust actually settles on property. But I think that it's, I'm, just, I'm just hesitant. I've just got this little feeling, this little bird sort of sitting in my, in my stomach that's just flapping its wings and saying there's something that's not quite right in the commercial space. All right. Yeah. Well, if you feel that way, don't go there. Well, um, I've got to trust the gut. Yeah, it's good. Gotta, it's yeah, been working quite well. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to uh, infrastructure, the Vanek. Um, it is the Vanek uh, FTSE Global Infrastructure. It's hedged ETF, uh, IFRA. And uh, well, we, 
sort of uh, look at uh, the spending on infrastructure at the moment. Uh, you only have to look at what's going on in the States with the Inflation Reduction Act. Um, James, how do you view this one? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy to be a part of this as well. If, if it's, it's got a great access to global infrastructure. Um, you know, you've got uh, electricity, transport, everything that's in there. It's, it's got about a 3% yield. That's sort of why you want to hold an infrastructure area, just, just good consistent returns that it's got. That yield could probably be a little bit higher, I think. Maybe I've, I've, I've misread that, but Andrew's better at these sort of things. Pays a nice quarterly, uh, nice quarterly dividend as well. If you think that rates have peaked and that growth isn't going to go completely backwards, then, yep, it, it has a place in your portfolio. It is absolutely getting bought back up again. You can see that there's a flow of money that will just has to, has to naturally own those, those areas. I think that maybe the, the thing that has come in as well is that Remember for the last couple of years, we've, we've had to chase these bond proxies, which has been in that utility space. And now that the bonds are actually investable because they're mm. actually returning a decent rate, you don't need to potentially own that side of things. And so we've had this sort of twisting turn of, of flow of funds of, of people that have like, we've had to replace our bonds with this space. And now we can go into the bond market so we don't have to own that. That's sort of where that stands. And so there's going to be some chop in this. But it's a, it's a view that you've got. So I can't say one thing or the or one side or the other. But if you're an investor and you think that rates have peaked because rising interest rates are not great for infrastructure. Um, if they start if they start to come off, then it's not going to be too bad for the for those highly debted infrastructure players. And if, if growth doesn't go completely backwards, then yeah, it's, it, there's a space for it. But that's that's where it's sort of similar to property. I'm like, if that's your view, then you then you need to, to, to back that. But I can't go either way on this one and just go, you know, what European infrastructure maybe it's not a, a place that I want to go overboard in 2023. Um, and maybe so I not want, yet. It's I want early. the dust. I want the dust to settle on Ukraine. If, if, if I'm putting, well, if you I'm might be waiting a while. Yeah. So maybe let's just wait a while. Okay. <laughs> be patient, Andrew. Uh, so fact checking, James. He is correct. Three percent uh, dividend yield. Well done. Um, quarterly distributions, and of course, that's another benefit of ETFs. Generally, not all of them. Uh, but certainly the more core focused ones generally pay quarterly distributions as opposed to your direct equities that generally tend to be only semi-annually. Uh, so again, this one would be another core holding for us. We, we quite like the infrastructure space, very mindful of that interest rate risk, which James spoke about so well. But probably the key thing for us is that because uh, I think it's about 28% of their holdings are in sort of electricity utilities, there's that inflation uplift that generally comes uh, through in that pricing. So um, from that point of view, we're, we're pretty relaxed with this one. Uh, I actually think Europe's a bit of an opportunity and we'll talk about that potentially a little bit later on as well. Uh, and if we look at the performance of this one, it's down 6% for the year, which doesn't sound flash, but if we compare that to say, uh, listed uh, international direct equities, which isn't a fair comparison, but I'll do it anyway, that's down <laughs> over 20%. So. To be down only six, it's uh, not a bad effort. It shows, again, the benefits of diversification, having it as part of a, a core portfolio. So I think it's a buy. A buy. All right. All right. Not bad. Giddy up. Yeah. No, that's Giddy good. up indeed. Yeah, it's good. All right. Uh, on to our fifth one. And this is the uh, it's a Bonds Active X Ardea Real Outcome Bond Fund XARO, exposure to actively managed portfolio of fixed income products, uh, government bonds, um, obviously in terms of uh, you know, riding those interest rate fluctuations and, and volatility there. Andrew, what are your thoughts on this one then? So as sort of a starting point, bonds have just been dreadful. Uh, technical finance term, yep. dreadful. 
Um, and no, great surprise, but they've been dreadful. And we, we, you've sort of had the, so again, this almost comes back to um, core versus satellites. So sort of the core ones, uh, they haven't done so well at all because they're just literally tracking an index. Uh, whereas the more active guys and girls like um, XARO have done, frankly, incredibly well. Like to give that some colour, the uh, they've returned minus 0.9%. And that little chart that you just showed there before, they actually paid a pretty good dividend, which is why you had that little drop there. But they're down about 0.9. There we go. Yep. You can see the little, I'm trying to use my pointer, which isn't very helpful on TV, but you can see there back in June, they went X distribution. Uh, it was a pretty good distribution. Uh, so down 0.9% total return versus the broader bond index, the Bloomberg Aggregate Bond Index, which was down 15% for the year. So they've actually done pretty well because in essence, what they're doing is they sort of have minimal duration in their portfolio. What they're really doing is they're just actively trading the portfolio, taking advantage of market movements as opposed to a passive index, which is just following an index that might be reweighted every quarter or every six months. So we have XARO as part of our, our core portfolio. We have a number of them, but XARO is one of them and still happy to recommend this one. Okay, a buy again there, James. It would be remiss of me after banging the table so loudly and proudly for the last few months on how everyone needs to have, or every balanced, uh, balanced account needs to be a 60-40 portfolio going into 2023. Mm. Bonds are a screaming buy at this particular time in the cycle. You're going to hold them and own them anywhere between 3 and 5%, depending on your duration, and just, and just lock that in almost risk-free. So if I don't recommend this, then... That would be that would be uh, hypocritical of me to, uh, to to do so. This one was interesting because I actually hadn't seen it before. But with a what an eight seven point eight percent dividend, they do go a little bit further out on what they invest in. So it's not just Commonwealth uh, Commonwealth debt. It's also semi government bills. They've got um, inflation derivatives in there as well. Interest rate derivatives too. So it's sort of they, they go a little bit further out on the risk curve and they get a bit more of a performance. It seems like it's an okay holding and a core. I've got different things in my bond core holding though. So that's that, that's sort of that's where this differs. For me, I'm happy to buy this. Um, it does seem fine, but keep in mind that it's not as risk-free as other bond ETFs are. And I think that that just needs to be specified. That's, that's, that, that's all I've got to say about that. If you're long bonds, you're gonna have a pretty good year next year. Yep, general advice only, as everything is. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we have to. You have no idea how much we've got to specify that. Yeah, no, I, I get it. Okay. All right. <laughs> Let's summarise where we've been for the first half of the show. Then uh, we began with our ETFs of the day, as uh, suggested by our two experts here. Um, Andrews was the uh, Fuel ETF, F-U-E-L, um, which holds the likes of X, Exxon, Chevron, Shell. And uh, in fact, James said he sold it just very recently. So yep. there you go, a bit of a d difference of opinion as to where um, some of those energy prices are going. And uh, James's suggestion was the miners, MNRS, that's the largest gold miners, ex-Australia. And, um, but then uh, Andrew came back and said, well, he actually would prefer the food, F-O-O-D ETF, which James has been banging on about the whole year. I saw, I'm hungry right now, I'm just thinking about it. <laughs> okay. All right, and let's uh, get into the five um, picks today. The first one there was the Vanek MSCI International Quality Hedged, QHAL. It is a buy from Andrew, a hold from James. 
The uh, iShares Core SBASX200 ETF IOZ, um, which sort of exposure to like some of the biggies such as BHP and the banks, of course, um, James says it's cheap, he's got to buy, and it is a core holding there for Andrew. Um, the property, Vanguard Australian Property Securities Index, VAP, uh, top 30 REITs uh, exposure there. Um, Andrew's saying it's a whole, absolutely a long-term buy there as from Andrew's point of view. James though, he's a bit nervous about it. So he's saying it's a hold at best. The infrastructure of ANIC, um, Global Infrastructure Hedged, IFRA, IFRA, it, uh, from James, uh, mentioned the good yield there, 3%, uh, but not yet, he's not ready to get into it. And Andrew, a core holding once again, uh, seeing that opportunity in Europe, as far as infrastructure is concerned, it is a buy. And the uh, one we've just done there, Andrew, uh, on the uh, active uh, day of real outcome bond fund, XARO, Andrew's saying um, it is a core holding, it's a buy from him. Also a buy there from James saying that uh, look, you know, bonds essentially now are a screaming buy. All right, so that's the first five, uh, our first half of the show. Of course, we are following our own high conviction fund, which is picked by our investment committee. The latest episode of that committee is live for you to watch at ausbiz.com. So checking in on the portfolio update, of course, these are um, trading stocks. Going into November, Instatech Pivot was removed, Seven Group was added, and Mineral Resources was trimmed. JB Hi-Fi and West Farmer, the, West, the weightings there were increased in both those stocks. In terms of performance, it's up 8.7% on a cumulative return basis since its inception at the beginning of March. So keep sending in your requests, keep the call switched on to see what the committee is going to be looking at next. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while, and although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools, plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. All right, let's get into the second half of the show. The ETS we'll be looking at this half, the beta shares NASDAQ 100 hedged, beta shares FTSE 100, uh, beta shares again, Australian Investment Grade Corporation, the Global X Copper Miners ETF, WIRE, and the Global X Battery Tech and Lithium ETX, uh, ETF, I should say, ACDC. All right, getting into our first one then. It is the beta shares NASDAQ 100. It's hedged and uh, it is... Um, essentially, and in, so following that index comprising 100 of the largest non-financial companies listed on the NASDAQ. So, um, Andrew, let's start with you. Your thoughts on this one? So it's it's another sort of qual QHAL conversation uh, because if you have a look at NDQ, it's, uh, it's peer, it's um, cousin. Uh, NDQ has $2.4 billion funds under management, whereas this one, the, the hedge version, has only got $185 million. So big bets being placed on the unhedged version. Again, you know, from a return point of view, that has certainly worked. Uh, this one is down 30% for the year relative to NDQ, which is only down 15%. Um, and we had that whole conversation around the dollar. So certainly from my point of view, you would definitely buy this one. I think really the conversation comes down to where do you think technology is going? And 
James absolutely nailed it before that, you know, the longer that interest rates stay higher, the more people are going to get found out. And certainly in the context of that technology space and some of the crazy prices that people have been paying, uh, there's potentially a bit more pain there coming. So I have to say this one certainly isn't a core holding for us. And in the context of the thematic box, isn't really ticking the thematic box either. So I have to say this is an Andrew disinterested. Okay, a big no then from Andrew James. I, I can't disagree with that either. Mm. Uh, no, I'm not saying short, I'm not saying sell it. I'm saying that if you're an investor and you're looking at a way to gain access to those, the, some of the best tech companies on the planet that have ever existed in the history of the world, I would rather just go and buy Google, Apple and Microsoft and not have to hold Tesla in there as well. Right. Yes, if you're, gonna, if you're gonna own this, you wanna be hedged. We've gone through that conversation before. I'm not, I don't wanna buy US dollars at this particular time. But I really think that there's a better way of getting access to that. If you're gonna have a long-term holding, I'd really just rather have Google. They're, they're, they are gonna win the AI war that is coming and, and, and that we are seeing the start of right now. But a lot of those companies that are in this, uh, that are in this ETF, I don't, really, I don't wanna hold in the long-term. So I also have got this little sneaky feeling that we've just got one other leg down that might be ahead of us. And this, this ETF is the way to play ups and downs. If you think that we're gonna get a rally, uh, if you think that we're gonna get a Christmas rally, it's gonna, be, it's gonna be this ETF that you wanna own. That's great. But if you think that we're just gonna take another step down, maybe just wait a while and grab it. But right now, mm. I'd really just be happy just to, to, just to buy on dips. Uh, I don't wanna charge in and pick it up right here. Okay, all right. So it's a, a no from both then on the HNDQ, the Hedge NASDAQ 100. Oh, Hello. sorry. Andrew, yes. Andrew. Sorry, I'm, I'm, tr I'm trying, you know, when you're on Zoom and you're looking for sort of the virtual handle, it's a bit hard to do. Yeah, if yeah the Skype. waving will do the trick. Um, <laughs> um, just, to, just to James's point about the technology sp uh, piece, he's absolutely bang on. And if we sort of come full circle, you'd actually buy Qual, or Q QHA or rather, mm. because it's about 40% tech. Yep. So you're getting all the good tech but without all the ones that, you know, Elon, et cetera, that you don't want. Yeah. So again, it's, it's, circling back, QHA would be the That is a really point. good point, Andrew, spot yeah. on. Yeah, yeah, it's the goodness, it's the goodness of Google without the, the, the inconvenience of Tesla. Right. I hate Tesla. You could be I more really brutal do. about it if you write in your description, but yes, okay. we understand what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's uh, now get uh, a slice of what's going on in the UK with the uh, British Airs FTSE 100. <sighs> Uh, F100, not a bad vehicle, but that's uh, stateside. Um, it looks at uh, the largest 100 companies uh, on the London Stock Exchange, the likes of Shell, BP, AstraZeneca, Unilever, Diageo, British American Tobacco even. So if you've got your ESG filter on, forget it. Um, all right, James, what are your thoughts? Yep, I think that for 2023, and definitely for now, I've, I've been holding this for about the last year. And we took the up and down ride all the way through um, when everything came off uh, over the year. It's been, a, it's been a great year, hasn't it? And I'm happy to, happy to add to it here on the way mm. back up, and it is really on the way back up, and, uh, and happy to continue to hold it through to 2023. The holdings that I really want to have, um, especially overseas, so less on the US side, more on the... Now, I did say that I wasn't positive on European infrastructure. It doesn't mean I'm not positive on European consumer staples. I'm positive on European energy and I'm positive on European banking as well. You know, I, I'm not negative on that side as mm. well. The good thing about the FTSE 100, and a lot of people say, oh, it's, it's London, it's English stocks, you know, the pound and everything that you want to talk about there. No, no, no. In fact, it's Europe, it's Europe listed on the LSE. Mm. That's what makes this so, so interesting for people to, to own. 
that's the, the, the things like Diageo, things like Shell, and and, and those amazing um, European uh, Total and, and BP. Uh, maybe not Shell. Anyway, but yeah, yeah, yeah BP yeah. and Shell. But, yeah. uh, but it's interesting because you look at the where that price has gone, and it's sort of obviously reflecting where. Well, as you say, not just the FTSE, but European stocks have gone yeah. in the past couple of months, which has been pretty impressive. Yeah, it has. Which been. is almost counterintuitive given what's going on there at the moment. I think that there's just a flow of money of finding relative valuation, mm. and and of all the things that we talk about, of all the picks and all the predictions, I may have mentioned this to you before. If there's a flow of money going into a certain place, that's obviously substantial global money that's flowing into a place. Don't get in the way of that. Of if, if you're going to do nothing else, you could do all the research and all the homework that you want to do. Follow the money. Mm. If there's money going into Europe, it's going into Europe for a reason. It's going into these stocks for a reason. Don't get in the way. And I think that the F100 ETF is probably the best way to gain advantage to it. You're also, and this is the reason why I mentioned fuel, that I wasn't going to be super bullish on fuel and why I exited that because I'm already long F100. Mm. So my portfolios already have that energy exposure. in them. Yep. So, that, so this is sort of where you, that was what I mentioned overweight, I was overweight through fuel, mm. took the profit on that, gone into gold miners. I'm already still long on this one because this is my core holding for my 2023 story. All right, that adds to that explanation. Yeah. Uh, okay, Andrew, so how do you look at this one? So out of the, the 10 we're looking at today, this is probably my top three of what I'm really interested in from a thematic point of view. So I'm glad that James uh, chose this one because uh, I, I really like it. I had a client literally come back from the UK yesterday and uh, he just said, look, Andrew, it's just all doom and gloom and everyone's feeling so morose and I'm sitting there going, beauty. Excellent. Fantastic. This is great. I love hearing this. Um, so no, I'm very relaxed with this one. Um, I agree with what James is saying. This is definitely one of my top thematic picks for 2023. Gee, doing your best Gru impersonation there. Uh, loving the doom. <laughs> but, doom, is, doom is good. Doom is buying. Yeah, what's well, a buying opportunity? Yep. yep. Yeah, in, fact, in fact, I heard an amazing stat just, just recently. Someone showed that if you bought the S&P 500 when the VIX is up at 30 mm. and you sold it when it gets down below 20, then you're outperforming by about 30% this year. That's so when everyone's freaking out, I hate, I'm not going to do the Buffett quote, but everyone does yep. the Buffett quote, but it's just that simple sort of thing. If it's really doomy and it's selling its situation, because as I've said before, markets usually go up. So find the time to be able to charge into it there. Yep. F100, I think, is probably still going to go up. Flow of money, doom and gloom. Europe, the European war is still going on. Mm -hmm. the European war, who knows? Could be by the end of this show. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, yeah, don't make those predictions. That's no right. one knows. All right, uh, let's come back home. Now taking a look at the beta shares, Australian investment grade uh, called the CRED, C-R-E-D ETF. It is exposure to uh, a portfolio of fixed rate Australian corporate bonds. Um, what have we got in here? Um, APPF Commercial Finance, Pacific Airports Melbourne, GPT, the wholesale office, New South Wales Electricity, Dexas Finance. Uh, Andrew, give us your thoughts. Yeah, another one that we've had in our portfolios uh, and hasn't performed so well, but when you think about why, it's full of fixed uh, interest rates. So obviously in a rising interest rate environment, that hasn't been very friendly. But on a valuation basis now, and I'm sure because this was another one of James's thoughts, <laughs> I'm sure the return on this one, and happy to support it, um, it's well north of 6% and it's monthly distributions, if I remember correctly. Correct. Um, and yeah, there's lots to like about this in the context of where the cycle is at the moment. Um, the MER, the, the cost of running it, it's pretty cheap, it's only 25 basis points. 
and you're going to get a good, reliable income stream from quality investment grade companies like Melbourne Airport, GPT, New South Wales Electricity, etc. So uh, as part of sort of that um, bond fixed interest suite, if I can put it that way, I can certainly see why you'd have that in there. So I'm happy to say it's a buy. Hmm. All right, James. Uh, now, I'll, there's a couple, I've got a couple of stories. Let me tell you a tale. So, uh, so uh, the recent Morgan Stanley outlook for 2023, which has been a fantastic, uh, th- th- they've been predicting the ups and downs of this beautifully. I always, I turn to them for guidance with regards to my work um, and being able to tailor it to the Australian market and my own clients. The, the, their outlook for 2023, with regards to where you want to be overweight and underweight, because you should be invested, is that if you're going to be invested, so yes, yes, be long bonds, um, because the 60-40 is obviously where it needs to be. But as part of that, part of that sort of that yielding debt bondish sort of feel of the portfolio should have a bit of credit and a bit of high grade credit in there as well, which is where this comes in. Their reasoning for that is that if you're, if you're going to invest in things that, that if, okay, because rates are going to come down mm. and so you think that maybe high, uh, high grade credit are going to be, they're going to be good with that. So in a lowering rate environment, you're going to be good to hold those ones as well. And also, if you think that maybe the effects of what the Fed and central banks around the world have been doing, which is to slow an economy down, are going to take bite in 2023, then you want to be owning the higher grade stuff. So that way you're not as, in, as, as badly detrimented, if you can sort of understand. That's mm-hmm. why you want to go at that higher end of the spectrum. So this is fantastic. Yes, it does yield over 6%. It's all um, over, it's all investment grade, obviously. We don't, we're not talking about anything that wouldn't be. Um, so it's all triple B plus and above rated. And funnily enough, there's actually, because it's, it's, it says it's Australian, but not all of the corporate bonds that are in here are actually Australian. There's a lot of international stuff. The specification of that is that they just have to have an Australian CDOL, I believe it is, which is just a listing code, which means that you can access it here. So it is it is listed in Australia. It is made up of Australian bonds, but there's actually some international coverage in there as well. So that's why I sort of like this one mm. too. Happy to add to it here. I'm happy to buy it here, in fact. And I'm not going to lie to you, I was buying it last week and I'm buying it today. The second story, because I know that we've rushed for time, no, that's, that's what right. I like to do, is that I put together, when the Fed said, okay, we're, we're maybe going to ease off on what we're going to do going forward and I was like you know what and I put it on a little chat group that I've got with some guests of of uh, of Ausbiz and mm. various fund managers that we talk about as well just to sort of shoot some ideas off each other and I said here's the perfect portfolio what do you think and I mentioned you know index weighted Australia the you know the FTSE 100 a bond ETF in there as well and a couple of other things there's your core do that for 2023 go to sleep and have a great holiday and one mention that came back from a, a, a chief investment officer that I respect a lot was just add some credit Jimmy just add a little bit of credit. Mm. This is the way that I can do it. So that's right. why buying it today, buying it yesterday. Good one. All right. Is that bullish enough for you? Absolutely. Excellent. Uh, it's a double buy. <laughs> you can't get more bullish than that. Okay, let's uh, round it out with the next couple are actually on that thematic as far as the electrification of the planet is concerned. And we're going to take a look at the uh, Global X Copper Miners ETF, WIRE, W-I-R-E. Uh, what relatively new access to the global basket of what copper miners it's a day that, old yep. a day old in fact brand new baby very new yep. um is that ex australian yes yeah no okay. it's not sorry oh, it's right. global bhp was in there bhp yeah. okay I'd, i'm just i'm just going to make sure of that because i don't want to talk no it's so right new that it's okay. BHP. yeah yeah I think BHP's it's in probably there. about the like 10th or it's it's, so it's down the list i mean yeah. it's, a lot of these names you wouldn't really recognize and you, and, and no. you wouldn't but it does give you that access and it, and it is australian now it's not hedged that's the that's the problem with that one but Global copper miners are extraordinarily cheap. 
and and if you think look it, it put it at a basic level i've owned copper now for for the last couple of years i've mentioned this i can't if if i had a dollar for every time that i've said this stat about copper and electric vehicles i wouldn't need to work so i'm going to say it again and hopefully someone sends me a dollar but the that there's there's uh, three times as much copper used in an EV as mm. there is in an internal combustion engine. I, I've mentioned that before. I've been corrected by Rob Rennie as head of uh, commodity strategy at Westpac. Yeah, Westpac. Yeah, yep, Westpac. Um, who said actually, Jimmy, I'm not going to do his Scottish accent, but it's probably a bit more like five times as much. Mm. Because you, you're, you're forgetting about all of the cabling, all of the charging stations, and all of the power and everything that goes into it as well. Fantastic fact, stat. Yeah, I was looking at uh, the um, the wind turbines. Mm. Extraordinary amount of copper that goes. Huge amounts of copper, yeah. and then when it's when it's done, what do you, the, the, there needs to be a way to sort of strip that back, and I can't always get the copper back. Just mm. this, the, the, the the pipes that you need, full of, just just to just to conduct the uh, the electricity. There is no way around the fact that copper is the best conductor of electricity that we can have on the planet yeah if we need to conduct a whole bunch of electricity going forward for the rest of our lives there's no other there's no other situation that's here there's not there's literally not enough copper in the world to be able to do what we need to do we're going to maybe talk about that with a different commodity soon with something else but we'll get to that when we get to it i can't be more bullish on copper we will need it any dip you get any dip you get use it to buy copper in some way and i think that this etf brought out by the global x team is a good part of their innovation and what they do. And I think that it's a good way to get the exposure to the copper miners, mm. because you know you can't always pick the commodity, but sometimes it's good to hold the companies underneath. So you don't want direct exposure then to a miner? No, no, no I, I don't want direct exposure to one miner, except for BHP. But right. um, I don't want direct exposure to the commodity, because that commodity can flip up and yeah. down as much as you like. Yeah. But any big, any big chance you get to own a basket of the miners, such as, such as in this ETF, um, you should absolutely grab it with both hands. Okay, Andrew. Yeah, can't disagree with any of that. I think really though, it's just coming back to where the view of the global outlook is for 2023. You know, you hear of uh, Dr. Copper, and in fact, I'm just looking at the copper price at the moment. Obviously it was uh, having a fairly hard time back there, sort of uh, around pandemic time, got down to the price of copper about $2,000. Um, and it's now sort of um, back to uh, about 3,600. Sorry, try again. $3.60 uh, a pound. Um, yeah. And it's been about as high as $5. So it's certainly mid-range, but that demand for electric vehicles, the electric electrification theme, the decarbonisation theme, plays really nicely into this. And again, you're not just, I mean, you could just buy, you know, BHP or whatever the case may be, but this sort of global basket, probably the only thing that would stop me, as James said, this is day two. The paint is still drying on this ETF. Mm. Uh, and I just like to sort of let them settle down for a few days, see how they trade. But as a broader thematic, it's certainly definitely one that I'm interested in. Uh, and, you know, come sort of February, uh, March next year, uh, would be quite interested in it, but I'm just gonna let it sort of uh, find its feet get started but as a broader thematic makes lots of sense so it's a hold hold okay see how it pans out and all right he mentioned dr copper so yes. everyone's got to take a drink yeah that's dr pepper dr Co no, dr copper is is the most <laughs> yeah. overused expression uh, apart yeah. from apart from buffett quotes that's in there and and i respect it i actually think that copper that there are times when copper does do that up and down based on how the global economy is 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 outlooked yeah 
there are times when it doesn't. Mm. Currently, it is moving on that on that ratio, and so just just the most heavily traded commodity in Africa. I can attest to that. Um, really? Literally on the street, because wow. the copper wires would be stripped. Stripped. And yeah. suddenly you'd wake up, there'd be no power because all the wires have gone. Yeah, that's that's a commodity I want to own. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, let's stay on this theme, uh, the electrification of the planet, and we're going to get into battery tech. Lithium with ACDC, we've uh, come across this before, investing in the full lithium cycle, mining, refining, battery production. Andrew, ACDC. So, so not as good as James at food at three bucks, but we've been on this since uh, the high 60s. So where are we at the moment? 92. Mm. So certainly from a, uh, a, a direction point of view, it's been pretty kind to us so far. And, you know, James alluded to earlier, it hasn't been very friendly for thematic ETFs in 2022. Some of them, if you're especially exposed to that crypto space, uh, you're in the world of pain. This one's actually held up relatively okay. It's only down about uh, 5% for the year, but if we go back over the last three years, it's up about 26% per annum. So as you said, Andrew, you know, it's sort of that whole lithium chain. I mean, again, you know, my uh, my regular sparring partner on the call, Henry Jennings, with his battery six packs, his AAA and his AA battery packs, has absolutely nailed picking direct companies. But we also know there's been heaps of volatility in that space as well. Andrew the Boring, like the lithium story, big believer in decarbonisation, big believer in, de in electrification, but I don't want to necessarily be trying to work out what's going on with Vulcan in the Rhine Valley. So as a consequence, that's why I would buy ACDC. Um, so certainly one from a thematic point of view that I'm very happy to continue holding. Uh, continue holding, but not buying, because we've seen where all those prices have gone. Is it looking just a bit heady at this point? I, I, I'm with James. I just think there's probably one more leg down coming. Mm. So we're still, I wouldn't say super cashed up. We're probably 10 to 12% cash at the moment. We're going to see probably one more findable gasp of pain. Uh, and we'd be using the cash that we're holding to be topping up on things like this. So it's a hold, it's not a sell, but at 92 bucks, would I say it's value? I yeah. don't think it's value, but on any sort of pain. Just quickly, um, Let the record that, show that new uh, BetaShares <laughs> Energy Transition uh, Metals ETF XMET, yeah. um, how would you compare that? I still prefer I still prefer this one, yeah. frankly. And again, part of it is because, and it's it's unfair, but I'll do it anyway. I just don't like new ETFs. It's not well, I don't like. That's a bit harsh. You just need to let them settle. You know, like even and again, James would appreciate this just from a research point of view. You mm. know, you've got to if you're going to be suggesting an ETF to a client, you need some independent research behind it. So we sort of need that. We need to see what flows are like. We want to see fun building because the other thing, and I won't try and take us too far down the rabbit hole, but if an ETF is not popular and therefore doesn't get enough fun, the, the manufacturers will actually just close you out. And we've seen plenty of that happening. So again, you just want to get a bit of a feel. What's flow like? What's research like? It's fine to have the thematic, but you need to have the research behind it to back it up. ACDC has it. X Metals doesn't at this stage, not, suggest, not suggesting that it won't, but it's just very early in the piece, similar to my view on wire. That's All right. Yeah, okay. That's All right, James, are you heavy metals, ACDC? Uh, amazingly, so just, just, on, just on Andrew's point too, I think that that's the, the yin-yang of, of where we stand too. He'll sit back. I, I, I do have a tendency to be the first over the parapet on some of these ones. 
Um, it, it potentially, I haven't really felt the full effects of it yet, but it is a real pain being closed out when they shut an ETF down. It's just a, it, it's a bit of a bureaucracy that you don't want to handle. This ETF, here's the, the, the reason why it's gone quite well, and it's not particularly a direct investment in lithium and the battery protectors. Mm. If you actually look under the hood of this thing, you can see that Renault is the fifth holding. Mm. ABB's in there as well, BMW, Volkswagen, yeah, Nissan, and Mercedes. Yep. You're owning the car makers. Mm. And that's probably why things have gone so well over a, a, a difficult space right here. So if you think that those car makers, now I've been banging the table about this as well, mm. secretly and privately, but the, um, the, the, the reason why I don't like Tesla is because I think that the other car makers just switch in and just take their lunch mm. as, as quickly as they do. Mm. So yes, I'm happy to buy this one. I'm happy to own this one because of what's under there. If it was just lithium, I probably wouldn't be so keen on it. It's a buy. Yep. All right. Okay. Well, let's uh, sum up where we've been for the second half of the show. The uh, hedge NASDAQ 100. No, neither interested in that one. The beta shares FTSE 100. Um, James willing to add to it. And Andrew's saying it is in his top three, in fact, um, given what's going on in the the UK at the moment. The beta shares Australian investment grade uh, uh, CRED, C-R-E-D ETF. Um, Andrew calling it a buy, also a buy there from uh, James saying uh, you need some high grade credit in your portfolio. To the Global X Copper Miners ETF, a buy from James saying it looks cheap. Uh, Andrew doesn't mind it, but just say it's too early because it's a day old in fact. So he wants to see how it looks uh, early next year. And the uh, Global X uh, Battery Tech and Lithium ETF, ACDC, a hold from Andrew and a buy from James. All right. That is the show for today. James, thank you for joining us from VFS Group. It's great to be here. All right. Thanks for having me on. No, great for you to join us. And likewise with Andrew from uh, DP Wealth Advisory. As always, thanks very much. Thanks, Andrew and James. Great fun. All right. Any uh, stocks or ETFs you'd like us to cover, flex an email at the call at ausbiz.com.au. You can tweet us at TV. And you can find those stocks in the course portfolio at osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Coming up next, Wicked Problems, Visionary Investors. Stay with us. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.